Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a podcast about all things geek. No one can seem to turn their head these days without seeing a superhero on something. They're all over pop culture right now, but for how much longer? That's the question on our minds as we discuss the sustainability of superheroes. I hope you'll enjoy, and if so, please don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Every week, it seems like there's a headline of some famous filmmaker predicting the end of the superhero. Like, so as superhero fans, I think like this is a wonderful time we're living in, but it can't go on forever, right? Or can it? Who really knows? What do you guys think? Is the superhero sustainable? I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. I'm Tommy Smithereens. I'm Clifton. All right, before we get into it, maybe we should explain what we mean by is the superhero sustainable? I brought this to you and I thought, well, I thought it'd be a good idea to talk about the idea of the sustainability of the superhero because every time, like you said, you can't turn your head, you can't turn around with there being somebody's like, well, surely this is a time that Marvel's going to screw up this movie and we'll never get another superhero movie as well made or we won't get any more superhero movies. Or the idea that the genre itself is going to peter out. And I guess movies were where I was mostly thinking about, but I also think about the fact that, you know, Superhero as a, as, a, as a concept has been around since the 30s. You're talking, what, are we in Superman's 80th anniversary, or right around there? Are we over 80 now? I guess we're over 80, yeah. I, mean, I like, think what, he's 82? 82 now. Yeah, 82. Yeah. So that just got me thinking the idea that, you know, every once in a while you hear, the, oh, this, it's kind of like what the, the kind of thing of like, the idea that something like that's been around that long can't possibly go on. It was a little bit of that as well as a little bit of the fact that when, um, you know, when you had that thing from, from Scorsese saying, well, the, the Marvel movies aren't cinema, when we all know that they are, because cinema really is, you know, just a story told of moving pictures. That's basically what, a cinema, what cinema is. So that was what got me thinking about the idea of, can we possibly go on? Because more and more I see, like, say, with stuff with Image or Dark Horse or those companies, when you look at the stuff that isn't licensed material, all the stuff from creators really isn't superhero stuff. Like all of your 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 non-Marvel or DC stuff tends to be less and less about quote-unquote superheroes. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say generally these days. It seems to be like, like every time I see a new image book out there, it tends to be some kind of mashup of other genres. And they seem right. to be going against superheroes. Because I don't know. I mean, I remember thinking... I remember um, an interview with um, Ed Brubaker on a Nerdist Writers panel where he was talking about uh, working for like the big two. And he's like, well, if you really want to write superheroes, there's no reason to do it anywhere else. Do it there. He's like, oh, for one reason, they're not going to sell as well anywhere else. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's become kind of like a Coke and Pepsi situation, I feel like, <laughs> with yeah. Marvel and DC being like the product it's it's going to be if you want superheroes it's one of those two and you'll get your occasional like rc cola or jolt <laughs> or whatever but that's only ever going to be like a niche thing and it never is going to quite breach the market i mean they're out there but there's not many i mean there is like the spawns and hellboys and and stuff like that and everything and but a lot of that has dropped off i feel like i mean spawn doesn't to me at least have quite the the power that he had no, right. like in the 90s. In the 90s, you had some outsiders that were kind of breaking in. Malibu had some hits. Valiant at the time, though they're back now, sort of, I think. Yeah, they're um, starting to. 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's always been a few outliers around. But I, I'd attest that to um, marketability. I mean, just the symbols that they've created for those particular heroes have sustained over decades. It's not like um, like all the newer ones or the uh, uh, the 90s versions never had the ability to market themselves quite as long and as those ones. I mean, you know, we're not, um, no one's buying Hostess snack cakes with them advertising <laughs> like it was before, you know? Sure, sure. I mean, I think the distinction for me is a lot of those books tend to be creator-owned. And so you get in some way like a singular voice. And I think the beauty of at least Marvel and DC is that multiple writers have touched Batman Multiple writers have touched Spider-Man and everything, and everybody's left their mark. And I think that's why the characters are so sustainable. And I think that maybe that's why Spawn quite has not been, and things like Wildcats has not been. That yet, like I know that there have been like other writers that have touched it here and there, especially like at the launch. But nobody is getting signed on to do like we're doing a run of Wildcats, right? Like Grant Morrison's not getting signed on to do like Wildcats for a year. Well, well, they did. They tried, you know? and it only made it to issue one. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it didn't make it. it but they, much... they did have plans to do it for more. But yeah, I mean, but much... you get what I'm saying, though, right? Like, no sure. hotshot writer is like Bendis is not doing, is not doing a s- cyber force. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah. every now, but every now and then, Wildstorm. Like, I think the last big launch for a lot of those books, like from that, say, the Wildstorm universe, they had was what I think Warren Ellis was the one that was supposed to be behind a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. he did stuff on them. Like yeah. authority and stuff. Yeah, like he was the one that was going to come in and basically do like, I don't know if, the, if it was the first issue or the first arc or like write the Bibles for the stories or whatever. But I mean, I think that it's one of those things where I agree with you. There's not really a push to do, to do us, you know, to do the idea of, you know, somebody from that's big in, in superhero, the world of superheroes to basically go out of that and write somebody like for, write for someone else other than the big two. So basically what I see a lot of times when I don't, I don't really look at previews anymore, but when I see there's a new book coming out from someone who is um, primarily known for writing superheroes. Like you said, Zach, it's a situation where they're writing up like a mashup of, of something. They're, mash- they're mashing up two genres together and it's got some, whether it's a supernatural element or, you know, some kind of sci-fi element where people may have powers or abilities, but no one's, no one's pulling off a shirt <laughs> and there's a symbol underneath and that's the symbol that you're going to recognize and they're going to be a superhero, right? All the tropes aren't really there, right? I, I was trying. I was trying to th- when I was coming to get thinking about the thoughts for this for this episode. I was trying to think of like what was the last real traditional superhero outside of the big two that I could think of, and I kept coming back to Invincible. Yeah, I knew right. you were going to say Invincible. I because I agree completely. Also, I can't think like, of another one. Like all the, t- I mean, I mean, granted, I mean, you know, Kirkman was really huge at the time for. Um, for I mean, he, Walking Dead pretty much took off from like issue two. I think it was it was pretty big. The idea that you know it was going to be an ongoing instead of a, a zombie, you know, movie or whatever or something that that basically was over in two hours. You're going to have this ongoing narrative about living through a zombie apocalypse. He also is doing Invincible, and I and I feel like Invincible doesn't really get its due as being one of those books that's outside of, you know, outside of of, of the big two because I think it would fit in there well because it is an archetype for basically Superman's kid, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that it's definitely like one of the more successful creative attempts at kind of doing like like a superhero thing outside of the big two. Sure. 
you're right because it does feel it the spirit's the same right like a lot of times uh, a lot of times superheroes outside of those two companies can feel kind of like cheap mm-hmm. is the word i'll say you know well i mean i think i think it's one of those things where it falls in a couple categories where you may have a situation where you're using a lot of archetypes and kirkman does this at first he's got archetypes for the justice league for omni-man and for like the rest of the group right like for for invincible or yeah invincible's dad is basically right, just like know, analogous versions of those yeah, characters characters absolutely. you know right and then he sort of fleshes out with his own characters that he just you know perpetuates his universe and before you know it there's all this shorthand for all these characters that you that surely have adventures. We may not see them, but they definitely feel like real characters, all within the same invincible universe that that he's created. Right? It all makes sense. It all has you know they all have their own agency and purpose and all that stuff. And, it, and I never after a while I didn't really think well this is going to be an analogy for or an archetype for another character. These characters were unto themselves. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but. Going back to what you said earlier, I'm just trying to think of the variant ones that, but to me, I, I guess it boils down to what corporate sponsorship as opposed to what Zach was saying with the creator owned. Because mm-hmm. I mean, to me, um, Hellboy and I'll say even Witchblade, Witchblade had an opportunity to grow past it when they had the uh, the uh, TV series, right? Yeah, so yeah. I right. mean, and then the biggest one is when we're not accepting is Turtles. Look at Turtles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, hundred no, percent. Yeah, Turtles to me is probably the biggest non-Marvel, non-DC comic that has spawned into its own thing, and that refuses to die. I mean, yeah. it's it's finally getting the chance to be seen through different creators or different uh, sponsorship. But it, it, to me, um, the corporate push behind Turtles, Turtles will be probably the uh, uh, the strongest representation of a superhero, not traditional cape like we seen earlier, or even with Marvel and DC. That would push well beyond our years, I think. Yeah, but I think yeah. there's something to be said about turtles. Also, the fact that, like you said, like many people have t- have gotten to work on them. Right. So, I mean, for 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 pretty early, too. I mean, we we can even say that. I mean, turtles comes out eighty four, eighty seven. We get the cartoon, and that's a completely different version with different voices attached to it. Yeah, I just I think that there's something to be said about having one person kind of control what the character is going to be. And, and and you can get a story with a beginning, middle and end, and you can get a seminal run like invincible. But I mean, do you think that anybody's ever going to touch invincible? That's not uh, Kirkman. Well, no, I mean, they're not going to now, especially because of the fact that it's over, like it, it ran it. I mean, Kirkman wrapped it up. He told the story and now he's done. So I don't think there's going to be, you know, I, I, I mean, it's creator own stuff, so it's not one of those things where someone's going to come along and, and redo it without him saying, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, and that's my point. I just don't know how many how many of the creator-owned um, characters th- is the creator willing to kind of go like, yeah, take a stab at this and and go ahead and play with the character a little bit and see where it goes, and I'm going to give you the freedom to do that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Mignola, like, other people write Hellboy, but Mignola, like, has his fingers, like, very much into mm-hmm. what's going to happen. You know what right. I mean? Like he's oh, still yeah. very much in control of, 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 of his thing as he, as he should be. I mean that that's, that's part of the appeal, but. Well, I'm more worried about if um, there's the extreme case, like uh, uh, Zach, you mentioned that the creator kind of stifles the growth of the, the property, but then there's cases in which when the creator uh, inadvertently is sold to a bigger corporation, 
Like, look at what happened with uh, Milestone, Valiant characters. And I usually say it's the big ones to me is uh, Captain Marvel slash Shazam. I would love to see how big that character could have gotten if DC never um, bought the rights to it. Right. You know? And we should say Nickelodeon owns the Turtles now. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. true. Very, very true. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's an interesting dichotomy between, like, because on one hand, I think it, it does help sustain the superhero because you're creating more of them, right? You're creating more of them outside of just these two companies that that really only do that. Pretty much. But at the same time, like you're not getting you're not getting sort of the the uh, perennial character getting written over generations, over generations and everything like that. And I think that that completely plays into the sustainability of the superhero. Well, I mean, I, th- I mean, my thing is, I think it's interesting, like, I, I don't think there'll ever be a time where the big I mean, Marvel, especially, I don't think it's, you know, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. I don't know about DC. There was that, you know, there was that blip for a day or two where people were like, what's going on with DC? Is DC going under, you know, and people started to get very, you know, there was a lot of angry, oh no, it's not going away kind of a thing. Does everyone remember when that rumor was like a month or two ago? Right. I think it did move on to Marvel after that. So there were like Marvel's dying rumors sometime after that. Right. But it became a very much a moment of like, you know, well, what happens if this if this is the thing that's going to happen in the industry? What you know, where right. is it going to go, and how are things going to shake out? But I, I think it's for me when I talk about stuff outside of the big two, outside of Marvel and DC, I, I just wonder. I mean, I think now, would, I mean, if you could, you know, if you were going to start, I don't, I don't think there's a better time to have a quote unquote like by the trope superhero book come out from somewhere else. Because you, if you're looking for the thing that you're going to basically, you know, now, I mean, because you said in in the open about the idea that you know you can't you can't look anywhere without finding superhero stuff. I, I'm reminded of, you know, I think it's Morrison was talking about being in New York and seeing Grant Morrison was in New New York seeing it was on a was on a city street and looked over and saw a bus and this is around the time that Justice League Unlimited was out, right? And it was a bus with a big banner for Cartoon Network and it had like all these characters and he's like, oh my God, I never thought in my lifetime there'd be Dr. Fate on the side of a bus, right? <laughs> not Superman, right. not not Batman, not Wonder Woman, not Green Lantern, Dr. Fate, you know? And again, you know, you throw, throw Dr. Fate into, into a conversation with people that know comics, it's not a big deal, but outside of that, nobody knows what that guy is. Right. You know, nobody has a clue. So it's one of those things where I think just that, like you said, it's a good time as a superhero fan to be, you know, like there's so much, you know, Tommy and I talk all the time about the fact that there's just too much stuff to try and take in because there's so much stuff coming out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an embarrassment of riches. I mean, I remember when I f- went to see the first Thor movie with my cousins and my brother, and we remembered the time when it was like, oh, they're talking about making an X-Men movie. Ah, that'll never happen because no superhero movies got made unless you were Batman or Superman or right. a weird you know, offshoot Spawn. thing like blade that kind of looked visually like those things. Right. You know? And yeah. I remember sitting in the theater. I'm like, I can't believe I'm in the theater for a Thor movie. Like how yep. lucky are we? Like how great of a time is this? Sure. Right. And now, you know, there's been three Thor movies. They're talking right. about a fourth, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's been in, in what? Six, seven movies to date. Yeah. 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 Which again, hard to believe. <laughs> you but, know? Yeah. So, why do you think, though, that so many filmmakers are quick to poo-poo on the superhero, be like, it's a fad and it's going to go away, and, and almost seemingly like wishing that it goes away? Yeah, to me, they're just old. 
<laughs> and, what I mean, and what I mean by that is their imagination is very complacent to what they're used to seeing. To me, I think it's just the tipping point. And what I mean by that is the one thing that people don't fail to don't understand with comic books is it was dominated by uh, white males. Representation means a lot. And I remember um, when we were saying, Zach, uh, influence and what and what a little per, uh, a child might see and think they can become. That's probably the reason why um, the current Ms. Marvel is so um, right. great or even Miles Morales. We should say this was a conversation we didn't we didn't have on on the show. We, yeah, we no, were just we talking. Yeah. We were just talking. You <laughs> yeah. know, back also, and forth, yeah. texting. Yeah, as yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, as, yeah. Uh, outside of uh, uh, what we generally talk about, but yeah, but to me, I think it's just the tipping point as to which it it, it can become and um, take away that stifleness as to what they think a superhero should be. You know, that's the appeal to X Men. Hmm. The diverse yeah. um, crowd and what we got to see. And that's just the start of it, in my opinion. We really haven't really seen that with superheroes, at least not in uh, not in the um, cinematic form. It's just recently they're just pushing it. I mean, look, people are still people are waiting to see Black Widow. I mean, outside of um, Wonder Woman I'm, uh, and Captain Marvel. Uh, it's not that many um, female representations that come across that push a movie. So yeah. I, just, I mean, yeah. well, there's still a lot of sexism about that, that people, that executives out there still think that a female lead in an action movie, nobody wants to see. And I, it, you know, and I think that that's crap. Yeah. Sure. I, you know, I, I think, I think if there's a good movie, people will go. Yeah. You know, but I do think it's, it's a little embarrassing that it took so long for a Wonder Woman movie to come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe that it's only been. What, three years ago, four years ago. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, for, for well, being a hero that like my grandmother could name and sure. can recognize. Yep. And that it has like become such an icon to pop culture for, for a major motion picture to only happen in 2017. True. Yeah. It's nuts to me. You know, we got Catwoman before uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman. Yeah. Almost twice because they were talking about spinning off Batman Returns. Yes. That's yes. true. Yeah, that's true. But what I was going to say was with, with Tommy was when you talk about representation, one thing I like about the way Black Panther ends, and this is a spoiler if you haven't seen it, and if you haven't seen it, by all means, see it. It's a good movie. Is the fact that, like, we talked about this at the time. One thing I really liked about it was it's a playoff of the whole thing of the end of the first Iron Man, where he's like, you know, he's, you know are they going to do the whole secret identity trope? Are they not going to do the secret identity trope? And he ends up just being like, I'm Iron Man. Right, and then you have that bit with with the kids on the playground looking to T'Challa, and they're like, well, "Who are you?" And I think it's a projection of the idea of like, well, you know, we don't really know as much about Black Panther even as we did about Iron Man. At least, again, as comic book fans, it's different. But the people outside, and I like the idea of the projection of, you know, Black Panther could be something to aspire to, as opposed to Tony Stark being very self centered and being like, "I'm Iron Man." <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it's a very, I think it's a very subtle way of, of you know, putting setting the bar. If you were, for, if for lack of a better term, I think it works really well for the ending of that movie. And otherwise, you know, when especially when you compare it to that first, I think it's a nice, nice tentpole kind of between the two, you know, endings of those two movies. Yeah, that's interesting. I never really read that scene that way, but that's true. Like to 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 have that scene essentially be his introduction to the rest of the world, to the movie going audience, rest of the world, to the rest of the public. Like, like, what is this? What is this black Panther thing that, 
Right. Like you said, like if you're not in the comics, you don't know what he is. No. Not at all. You may have, you may have heard you know, you, you you might know the political term more than you would the actual, you know, know about T'Challa and Wakanda and, and all those characters there, but yeah. not nearly as not nearly as much as you might Iron Man. Because I remember Iron Man at the time was a big gamble because, you know, at Marvel he's not he's not your Spider Man or your Hulk. You know, he was kind of a C level character until, you know, they made that movie with, you know, Robert Downey. They didn't really they really weren't sure about how that how well that was gonna, you know, land for them. So because they had sold the rights to all of their A-list characters to yes. other movie studios, and all they had left was the C-list. Yeah, right. They had, yeah, was yeah. Left. <laughs> that was what they had left. And yes. then they turned it into the A-material. Yep. But I, which but is a nice co- like stars-aligning moment that they happen to only have the characters that happen to be Avengers. Sure. Like left that they could do that. But you got to remember at that time, like X-Men from like obviously from the early '80s till you know till recently. Was the bread and butter at Marvel? They didn't really have, you know, they lived off that franchise, but the Claremont and Burns stuff for decades. Avengers really hadn't been popular for a long time, so it was kind of a, you know, yes, they were. You could, you, I would never think of those characters as C-list characters, but the idea that you know, next to the X Men, right at that moment in time, yes, absolutely. yeah, oh sure, you and know. think about how much it's reversed. Like you don't see the X Men on anywhere. Like they're not on cups right now <laughs> right <laughs> you know not as much as they used to for sure yeah absolutely yeah. well when the mcu x-men come in we'll see it again yeah which i can't yes. wait for by the way when they come back so i don't quite know i don't quite know how how it's going to shake out in the movies right but my my feeling is that one of the things that can make that that's sort of like like a what's the word what's what am i trying to say like one of the things that i think helps the superhero in film is the fact that you can kind of hang other genres on the superhero genre, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I think gives it some strength, right? That that you can do a straight superhero movie, but you can also do a superhero movie like Winter Soldier that's kind of like, you know, the 70s spy espionage movie, right? Mm-hmm. You can do, you yeah. can hang sci-fi on there like Guardians of the Galaxy and make it kind of Star Wars-y, right? You can do right. a period piece like the Captain America first movie in World War II and Wonder right. Woman and things like that. And I think that, that you can have these cool, like hyphenated superhero dash something movie. Right. Well, I even, I'd even argue further the idea that like say Ant-Man, Ant-Man to me, and I said this at the time and I still stick by it was for me, when you think back of like mid seventies, early eighties, Disney stuff where Disney would try to do a superhero or, or like, you know, type movie that was family oriented. Condor right? man. Yes. Like Condor man. <laughs> Thank you, Clifton. Something along those, <laughs> something along those lines, you know, you would have, you know, you would have one of those movies that clearly fit into like, oh, the family can watch. This. I mean, for the most part, I don't, I, don't, I think Ant Man is one of the most quote unquote Disney movies, and that's not a knock. I just think it's much more in that mold of, you know, he's a fan. He, yeah, he's a he's a he's a criminal, but he's not really, you know, he's not a hardcore criminal. We're not have to worry about Scott Lang killing people. You know, he's not a murderer, but you know, he's he's a, he's a he's a small time crook. <laughs> You know, and he's got a kid, he's got an ex-wife. And, you know, it's, it, it seemed to me kind of very much genre, like adjacent to a lot of stuff that Disney would do when they would do their, you know, made for TV movies, I guess. It wasn't it wasn't theater stuff, but maybe definitely something that was like on the wonderful world of Disney. Well, I, yeah, no, but I like the fact that they went in the opposite direction, too. Most recently with Deadpool. I mean, who would have mm-hmm. thought that? I mean, a lot of people didn't think um, Deadpool would be sustainable as a 
but a horror comedy basically, or even, I mean, a raunchy comedy, excuse me. Right. In which, um, something of that nature could be sustained with, um, superhero. I mean, heck the first time we even got Deadpool was in what, uh, uh, X-Men origins Wolverine in which they scraped the character down to barely anything. It's funny you say that. Cause <laughs> the other night, Zach had sent a text that Hulk versus was on. And I was trying to think, is that the first time we get Deadpool out of comics? Is in that animated where they all team up with, with where the Hulk fights Wolverine in one part and then the other half is like Hulk versus Thor. And I was trying to think, is that, I mean, we had them in video games and stuff, but was that like the first? I can't remember if it's the first anything we've gotten outside because it, it may be a year after X-Men Origins. Okay. Is my feeling, which which I do think that like as as dumb as his portrayal is in that movie. <laughs> right. Like it did kind of it was a shot in the arm for the character. Like I do remember that the character had a strong resurgence after that, but it's certain Hulk versus is certainly Deadpool's first animated for it. Right. And I will say it's one of those things where in the comics, like I mean, he's done, you know, he's obviously in X Force first with with the uh, cable and stuff is where he first appears. And then you have like a Mark Wade miniseries where he's not really quite as the character we know now. And I think honestly, it's until like Joe Kelly does that book where Joe Kelly really like puts a stamp on him being, you know, breaking the fourth wall and being the Merc with the mouth. Yeah. The Merc with the mouth being super, you know, over the top wacky stuff that goes on is really where you establish a lot of like, you know, meat on the bones type of stuff for that character. We don't really have that before that book comes out. Going back to the versatility of superheroes, um, I'm going to bring up, you know, one of the famous film maker criticisms I think we mentioned before, and it's the Steven Spielberg one, okay. which Steven Spielberg says, quote, we were around when the Western died and there will be a time when the superhero movie goes the same way as the Western. Uh, he goes on to say, it doesn't mean that there won't be another occasion where the Western comes back and the superhero movie someday returns. But what's interesting about this one is that he said those quotes while on a publicity tour for Bridge of Spies. Mm-hmm. Now, Bridge of Spies is a historical drama based on real-life spycraft, but the spy movie genre is a genre that came about in popularity in the 60s when there were tons and tons of spy movies cashing in on the success of James Bond and such. And it's also a genre that's never gone anywhere. No. There are 10 spy movies a year, every year since then. Right. And so uh, like, it's, it's just a little funny to me that he latched on to the Western saying that the Western died, but like, there are examples of genres that just keep going and going and spies are one of them. And mm-hmm. I think the reason for that, similar to superheroes, is because you can put these spy stories in different things and have like real suspense thriller spy movies, historical spy movies comedy spy movies like the the spy who dumped me a couple of years ago right <laughs> right spies like us the spies like us yeah yeah what what's <laughs> what's the one with the rock and kevin hart central intelligence uh, is that is yep yeah, yeah that's right. it yeah yeah like they're all spy movies and we get dozens of them like a dozen every year because yeah. they haven't gone anywhere and i do feel like superheroes could follow that mold more than they follow the western mold which like you do have the ability to make like a Western horror and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's good ones out there, but like it's, it's stuck in a specific time period more often than not. You have a modern Western sometime, but then you're still stuck with like what makes a Western a Western and then have to do it. Then they just doesn't have as much Liberty as like a spy movie does. Right. And I think superhero falls more into that line. Sure. 
I mean, you could, I mean, but then, I mean, granted, we don't get as many Westerns as we used to, but I mean, I'd argue that stuff like, again, you could just mess with the genre. I mean, Firefly or Serenity right. was a, was a, was a, was a Western. It just happened to take place in space. Space you Cowboys. Know. Yeah. Space I would Cowboys say the Mandalorian stuff. too, right now, which, sure. which I'm watching currently. Yeah. It's oh, absolutely. huge, without, huge Western sensibilities in there. Without the spaghetti Westerns for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But this episode was not recorded five months ago. He's just a little behind. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those things where I think, I think when you, you know, when you're applying tropes to a genre, you know, of, of, of storytelling, I think the idea that, especially like you said, the spy is a good one. The Western is another good one. I just think it's, there are many things that you could do that don't necessarily have to take place. I mean, to me, it's the same thing as when they take, you know, Romeo and Juliet and try to put it in a modern setting, right? It's like whether it's, uh, who did, um, the Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio ones, you remember? Baz Luhrmann. Baz Luhrmann is what I thought. Okay, so Baz Luhrmann did that, where you know it's a modern setting and it's not set in, in in Verona of you know that time. But I mean, I think it's the same thing that I think if you know it, you can play with you can play with time and setting and and all that stuff, and still have the same tropes. And I and like you said, when we were talking about the Marvel stuff. I think su- they they were they've done a really good job of trying to be like, well, maybe you don't like superheroes on Earth. Maybe you like more of a space <laughs> space genre. Or you like more of a right, like a space opera, right? Exactly. I mean, granted, that's one of the things where I was kind of excited about the idea of the way that um, Endgame ends with Thor is the idea, and a little bit it's also in Ragnarok too, is the idea of like you know when Kirby, you know Kirby would take Thor into space, you know they would around that time when they were early on, you would have Thor go do stuff on other planets where it's kind of like why would you have you know the idea of a you know of a of a um, Norse god out in space where they don't really have mythology going up against, you know, Galactus or one of those kind of really big cosmic characters always intrigued me because it was it was a weird mashup of of genre and storytelling. And you all you know, you got some really cool concepts out of it. And I think they're gonna do more of that depending on where they go with um was it Love and Thunder? Is that the, what the next one's supposed to be? Right. Yeah. So it's got a great title graphic. Yes. It does. I can't wait. So. <laughs> so, and I hope the rumors so, of Christian Bale being the bad guy are, are correct. Absolutely. Because, man, yeah, it's going to be one of the best performances ever yes. in a Marvel movie. Absolutely. Well, I hope that's like the end result with the whole superhero genre. But, my, but what I love to see is the deep dive into a storyline in which it's a um, straight depiction of what we read. Like, don't be wrong. I, I love the adaptations and how certain directors have a take on it. And, and, and trying to develop those stories into uh, something that can translate to cinema. I said cinema. Cinema. But <laughs> I don't even think we've touched even the surface of certain great storylines that we have yet to see play out in, this, in, in, in cinema, as far as comic books are concerned, you know? Well, because I think also there is a, a bit of the comic book movie that's uh, reactive, right? And and imitates a story that came already in the comic books, and I think that there, this is something that's a little bit more interesting about reading comics right now is that it is kind of a, a period where they're they're IP farms now. They're trying stuff out for what's going to eventually be in a movie. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. it just I, I, there, there, there's a little bit there's a little bit more freedom I think in the comic books of of of. Anytime one of these movies come out, I always have a conversation with somebody, a friend of mine or my wife, that's not as much into this stuff to be like, wait, so who is this person? And then I am always like, okay, so what happens in the, in the books is this person ultimately becomes blah, blah, blah. 
<laughs> you know right. what I mean? And it is a little bit of like, like all the movies are kind of imitating the book, like, right. like certain standout stories in the book a little bit, some more than others. Not saying the movies don't contribute because they do sometimes, you know, if something sticks in a movie, it will normally trickle down to the comic books. Right. Yeah. Hence, I mean, there, there was a way you wrote Tony Stark before Robert Downey Jr. And then there was a way that you wrote Tony Stark after Robert Downey Jr. And it's not going back. No. Nick Fury is an interesting one where you had old Nick Fury, white guy, Nick Fury. And then he became the Samuel L. Jackson type model in an alternate version of the comic book. Right. That has then went to the movies, became what everybody knows, and then became the version everywhere. Right. Yeah. True. Yep. Yeah. No more David Hasselhoff, uh, Nick Fury. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I remember that. Unfortunately, no. But like, like my other friends, like, like wonder why I get so mad when things like get changed in Gotham and everything like that. And that's, that's absolutely the reason though, that I'm like, because if for whatever reason this thing gets popular and this sticks like this take of the Joker sticks, that's going to trickle its way into the comic books. Like how long was bullseye drawn with that stupid scar on his forehead <laughs> after the movie? Honestly, True. like, yeah, yeah. And that mean, wasn't even a popular movie. No, no and it's, no. <laughs> and it's, I mean, very recently, I think, was he not drawn with that for the first time? Right. I want to say within maybe three years. Uh, it might, that thing stuck around over a decade. I think what they did, what a lot of times they would do is they would just finally put the mask back on him so that it, you didn't have to see whether it the was tattoo. or wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's that thin line that when something, when something is greatly appreciated, it, it, it tends to bleed into... Um, was it life imitates art type of situation or art imitates life? But to me, as, as long as it pushes the story to, to greater heights, I can take certain um, back steps towards um, imagery, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, this is my question uh, about like all the like Spielberg using the Western, like how many movie genres actually go away? I'm trying True. to think of like other than the Western, I mean, maybe the musical. Right. Is no. the only other one that the comes musical? to mind. And yeah, Spielberg like is currently musical. making a musical, I will say. Right. No, no I, I disagree. Remaking a musical. He's yeah. remaking a musical, yeah. <laughs> but no, this well, The Greatest Showman, that was a musical. That just came yeah, out. Yeah, they came, they no, were gone from like the end of the 60s until the two, uh, until 2000. Okay. Yeah. And then they started coming back a little bit around the late 90s to 2000. Okay. Then, Moulin Rouge, Chicago. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and then, most, and then, yeah. and then there was the, that period where like every show had like a musical episode after, right. after Joss yeah. Whedon did it. And like, and, and, right. it, and it didn't suck because it sounded like a jump the shark moment. And you're like, oh, this is good. To be fair, I don't know if, if you can give it to Joss. I think it's more, uh, what's his, who, hey, Tommy, who did Xena? Oh, the guy that, um, uh, Raimi. Raimi did. Yeah. Raimi did it first. Yeah. Raimi definitely did it first. Cause, oh, no cause kidding. Because they, they have a musical episode there, don't they, Tommy? Yeah, they definitely do. Um, I'm trying to think of the, uh, but the, there was a one storyline in which it preceded Joss Whedon's um, musical. He he yes. may he may have been influenced by that because Sam Raimi and yeah. uh, and what was it Bob Tapert? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Zena. yeah, that, yeah. That was where that's where I remember the the first push to do like, hey, we're gonna do a musical. That was the very first I can recall where they did one like that. Yeah, but going yeah. back to what uh, Zach was saying as far as what genre that sort of tapered off, uh, if I if, if I had to 
pin a particular one, I would say sports. Um, it, it slowly mm-hmm. starts coming back because Ben Affleck has a has one where he's a coach, in which he comes back as as far drinking as coach. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the drinking. Well, coach. yeah, that that came yeah. out already, but yeah, yeah no, but, I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but we don't have the uh, uh, we come up from not yeah to feel good yeah. sports yeah. movies. No, 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 bad news bear type sports in which you have it like or even I <laughs> well, we had my, mighty we had mighty ducks. Yeah, but true. Yeah, uh, I mean, remember the remember the Titans. I don't disagree yeah, but with you, like, Tommy. What, but at the same 90s. time, at the same time though, like how many of those came out a year anyway? Right. I mean, and we still do get one every every two or three years. There is one or so, and there was a period where like we are Marshall and remember the Titans and stuff like that. There were like remember there the was Titans. like everybody Friday had a coach Lights. movie. Yeah, but remember the Titans had uh, uh, what's his name from the Wire on it. That's how old Remember the Titans was. But it's it's now to the point we don't have the um, but you know the the small rough uh, the, basically the Bad News Bears formula, which you have mm-hmm. a, a team of misfits come together and win the championship. That's which is the Bad News Bears. I mean, excuse me, the Mighty Ducks. I mean, right. The 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 team that wasn't or even Major League, the team that wasn't supposed to win wins everything. Oh, I love Major right. League. Yeah, I've I haven't yeah. seen that in forever. Dodgeball. Yeah, the- yeah, but <laughs> yeah, dodgeball. There's dodgeball is even almost ten years old. There's that Creed. Is. There's Warrior. Ah, uh, Creed is more like. Oh well, yeah, no, I give you Creed. Right? Yeah, I give you Creed. But, I forgot about Creed. I'm, I, I'm I'm not completely disagreeing with you, but it's also one of those things. Like I said, like I don't think that it was that it was a genre that was made. It's not the spy movie. There's not no. ten. There's not ten sports movies a year, but there is, you know, one that trickles in every two or three. Right. Always. Yeah, but spy movies, I, we get two or three a year. You know, I mean, it may not be of uh, of great notice. I mean, it may not be on the on the level of Mission Impossible, but we do get the smaller notes in which, uh, like Tinker Tailor uh, Spy. Yeah. You know, certain certain ones that trickle out in which they wanted to be bigger, but. It still managed to come out, but sports movies. I would argue to say maybe one a year we'll get a sports genre. Like you know, we're not getting stuff like the cutting edge where it's like a rom com, uh, oh, sports. Right. You know, <laughs> which they fall in love on the field or whatever you want to call it, or tin right. cup, or you know, yep. it, it's it's we we don't get to see the uh, the sports movie mashed up with a different genre. It's almost as if you no, that's barely true. Get, yeah, you barely get to see a sports movie, right? That's true. You don't. You, it doesn't mash up very well with other things. Yeah, like what's the Amy Schumer one? Now you have what? Uh, can you think of the Amy Schumer? What LeBron James is in it? Can you think uh, of that Trainwreck? One? Yeah, Trainwreck. Yeah, it's a that's, good movie. Yeah, but that was a sports <laughs> movie. But you didn't really feel it was. A that's sports not a movie, sports you know? movie. No, that's not a sports movie. It's <laughs> a romantic so? comedy. <laughs> but it has sports theme in it because it has sports in it. But it's not a sports movie. Okay, no, I agree. With you. I was just, I was reaching. I was reaching. <laughs> I was trying to. I was trying to reach. But it's not miracle. See. It's not. It's not yeah, the it's Americans yeah. beating the Russians <laughs> in hockey, right? Yeah. Like, but no. But yeah. But that, uh, to me, I was just reaching with train wreck. Yeah. I, I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> saying though, like like, there's not many genres that went away, and I don't want to poo-poo Spielberg because I like his work a lot and everything. But it's like he picked the one that that like Clifton said, like, yeah, like doesn't, doesn't have a ton of flexibility. <laughs> right. And even the mm-hmm. Western kind of comes back here and there. And so, and so I'm not really ready to say like, lots I don't, of things become modern day Westerns. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I don't know. I don't know that, that Spielberg's wrong either, but mm, my oh. sense is that <laughs> my sense is that the superhero has a little bit more juice to it than the Western does. I say he's wrong. Sure. I, I, I'll, I'll say he's wrong because I want to hear a new or a young director say that, you know, I mean, Scorsese and Spielberg saying that. Yeah, you get that there. To me, they, I understand why people go to the, for them for an opinion due to their uh, uh, track record and their awards. But recently, as far as what they've what they've managed to make a hit recently, they're struggling on that on the current level. And I mean, I understand that they're coming from a place where like these are the only movies that are doing well now. And so other movies tend to not be getting made. And I get that they're coming from that. But what's so heartbreaking about the Scorsese quote to me is there was a point where nobody took the gangster movie seriously either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. And so sure. I just I, I feel like that he's just kind of regurgitating stuff that was said about his early work about well, something I mean, else. I mean, that's what I was going to say is that the, you could say the same same thing about Spielberg. I mean, Spielberg for a while was like, oh, cool. Summertime. There must be a Spielberg movie coming. Right. right. I mean, yeah. there was, you know, there, there was some, you know, the event movie belonged to somebody other than superheroes at one point. We did, you know, we, we looked forward to whatever was coming out, you know, as a tentpole movie for the year. And sometimes it happened to be uh, Indiana Jones yeah. <laughs> or, or it happened to be, um, you know, uh, what's another, what's another Spielberg movie that was huge, you know, Jurassic Goonies. Park. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Either. Yeah. Goonies. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, Jurassic Park or, yeah, I mean. I don't. I, I can't really. I mean, I can't get behind the idea that you were once the guy that was known for spectacle, you know. And now, I mean, let's look at like the la- the last. What was the last Spielberg movie? Was the what the 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 big effing giant, whatever it was. No, Ready uh, Player Re- One. Ready Player One. Okay, Ready Player One again. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's a movie that 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 trades off a bunch of nostalgia. Correct? Am I, am I wrong? It, it trades off no. of a bunch of stuff he did. Okay. Oh no, <laughs> okay. but Look, no, that's that's, the, that's, a, that's the like a love letter it. to him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the okay. madness of that movie is he didn't incorporate his own stuff into it. He used other genres. I, I, I wish he never did that. Movie. I wish he yeah. never did that. Movie. I mean, again, it's one of those things where I, I look at like you know I still have not seen Joker. Right. I'm not. I'm not. Not for any other reason other than I, I, it's you know it's coming on. It'll be on some cable thing, and, and I'll see it there. You know, I didn't spend any money on it for whatever reason. I didn't get a chance to see it in the theater. I'll watch it when it comes to to something at home. But for me, it was it was always funny to me the idea that, you know, Scorsese at one point was supposed to produce that movie, and then Cliff and I, you had a conversation after it first came out where you told I asked the question of how much you know is it basically, you know, and you were like, well, it's forty five percent Taxi Driver, forty five percent King of Comedy, and then ten percent Joker stuff. Right, right. And I, and, and I said, I said, well, but I've seen all. I mean, I've seen all of that stuff. Like I've seen King of Comedy years ago. I've seen Taxi Driver in a theater years ago. So it's right. one of those things where, and I've seen, you know, I've seen plenty of, plenty of Joker stuff. Which you should point out that both those movies are Scorsese movies in case somebody yeah, doesn't case, know. Taxi Driver, know most people probably know, but I don't think Kings of Comedy. King, well, Kings of Comedy is, 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 is what in that Bernie Mac and, and Cedric the Entertainer. So the, that's a little different. Than the so just king the of, king, just the yeah, singular king. Singular of king of comedy is something else. With with but that one has De Niro and then and Jerry Lewis and it's very much like from when I saw the trailers for Joker I'm like well this is clearly you know it's a love letter to that time of cinema as well as you know as well as those two movies it looks like and when I when I read and delved deeper into the fact that at one point Scorsese was supposed to produce Joker and I guess he backed away from it 
it's you know I don't know if you can have your cake and eat it too and say that well you know superhero movies are, are not are not are the problem or they're they're not you know I don't I would have been fine with a quote if he said hey you know what I'm not a big fan of the genre it doesn't do a lot for me I haven't liked comic books at all so even when I was a kid that would have been fine but to say it's not cinema basically says to, and then I think there was a lot of like pushback from like people like James Gunn and other that were like you're basically saying that all these people that put all this hard work into making these films don't really care about them the way that you do about your movies. And I think that's incredibly unfair because, you know, again, when you look at the source material and stuff like, you know, like with Justice League, it's Gardner Fox and all that early stuff. Or, you know, when you had Jerry Conway writing it in the 70s or, you know, Dematteis and Giffen in the 80s. Or look, when you look at the Avengers stuff and it's like people like Jim Shooter or David McElhinney or uh, Stan and Jack back in the day. When you look at the source material, you could push it away as kid stuff, but we all know that it's not just I mean, it's not just kid stuff, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 the other thing that gets me too is is because you brought up Indiana Jones, Frank, and stuff like that. And really, if we're splitting hairs, how how mm-hmm. different really is Indiana Jones from the traditional superhero? I mean, I know like like we're not talking he's in a cape and all that stuff, but explain to me the brown leather jacket and the fedora, just as not iconic big. as a cape around somebody's neck. Sure. As they fly through the air. And James Bond, who, you know, like in Goldeneye, jumps off the dam as the like as the plane is falling and free falls into the plane and manages to Mm -hmm. like, you know, pull up before it crashes. I'm like, these are all superhero things already. And I I hate to be this guy, but I mean, really, if we want to go if we want to go far back, explain to me how like King Arthur and. Mm Sherlock Holmes and Hercules. my God, Odysseus and <laughs> Achilles, Savage, the spirit. Jason, Jason and the Ar- Jason and the Argonauts. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would argue, I would argue, even you could throw John McClane into being in this in the superhero realm of the, of stuff, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Well, I mean, that guy manages to pull off stuff in in every film that's not really. I mean, it's beyond normal human stuff, right? Well, to me, isn't basically the action hero the superhero? I mean, what's the, I mean, other than the, the costume, mm-hmm. Batman, a man that can overcome great obstacles with his tenacity and spirit. Right? Pretty much. I mean, and, but his that, intelli- and his intelligence. Yeah. And his intelligence. Yeah. That's exactly my point, though. It's like, what's the difference? It, it's, it's these kind of stories mm-hmm. endure anyway. Like, we're into these stories. Like, like, I bring up Achilles for a reason because, my God, sure. like, how many thousands of years? <laughs> Have people well, been yeah, talking I mean, about Achilles? Now, granted, Achilles doesn't have a movie every year, but right. they they worshipped that character mm-hmm. like a superhero. Well, I mean, you go all the way back to what the the Iliad and the Odyssey, right? Yeah, I mean, go back to Homer, go back to all the as far back to that stuff. You know that you would have the you know those stories about Odysseus and travels and you know fighting Cyclops and not not the Marvel character, but. Cyclopses <laughs> stuff, right? You know that you. That, I mean, all that. Stuff, I mean, again, you know, is that stuff again? When it, you know, I, I, I bristle at when I when I hear when I hear them say it about themselves. When I when I hear like Marvel or whatever say, well, it's the modern myth. I'm like, I get it, and but it becomes almost <laughs> like a brand. It almost becomes like a brand or or you know a self congratulatory pat on the back. Or like sure, if other people right. if other people says it. I mean, I believe they're correct, but it's also one of those things where it's it's so. It's so overused at this point. It is absolutely like like it, it's it depends on my mood. Sometimes I'm super into that kind of stuff, and other times mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, it sounds a little pretentious. But and I'm right. not saying that Batman is going to be around thousands of years, 
Mm-hmm. But he was around for a long time before I was, and he and I would wager he's going to be around a long time after I'm gone. Well, it's it's it was, again, I was thinking about just different stories and stuff, and and I always think about. When I think about the longevity of, of superheroes and the fact that, you know, basically, you know, you have Superman from 38 in action comics, you know, and it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's, it's a never ending story. It's a never ending battle against, you know, for, you know, whether you like it or don't like it, it was truth, justice, American way. And now it's, you know, it's truth and justice. And, you know, and I think about, and I don't know if everyone's read it. Has everyone read the final crisis stuff that Morrison did? Yes, I read it at the time. I don't think I read all of it. I believe, yeah, I've read it as well. Okay. I mean, but what's so, portion were you referencing them? Basically, I'm talking about in in the Superman Beyond stuff. You have Superman, basically, our you know the Superman of, the, of of our books, of the books that we read, and then you have like all these archetypes that are you know kind of fanning out. Like you have Ultraman from like Earth three, and you have, I think there's a Doctor Manhattan type, and then there's like I think there's even like a, a Captain Marvel type, and they're doing all this stuff. And then basically, the story ends with you know there's a grave right, and the grave the the tombstone of this grave, and I can't remember who the character is, but it's one of those things where it's not our Superman, obviously, because he has to go on in the story. But one of them dies, and, and it's just the, the tombstone. What, what I liked about it was what Morrison had the, the character's epitaph was to be continued, right? Like the idea that death to a superhero character like Superman or whatever, it's just another story. It doesn't mean he's done. It doesn't mean death is like for, you know, for like for us, where it's like death is, you know, once death is here, it's over. I like the idea that for the superheroes, Death is just another chapter. And again, we have that, you know, when you talk about the trope of the revolving door of death, where, you know, someone dies for a while at Marvel, someone dies for a while at DC, whether it be Barry Allen or Wolverine or whoever, most people don't really expect that character to be dead, quote unquote, forever. And I think that's how it is for superheroes. They may have a moment where, yeah, they're quote unquote, they're done or they're dying or dead. But I always think there's going to be room for that story to be told again. Yeah, but I hate that trope. Yeah. Oh, no, I know. I understand. I understand. I'm just saying in the we'll instance, get, we'll it was get not, into it. We'll get yeah. into it. <laughs> but not today, just, but we'll get into right. it. <laughs> right. But I just think I like that idea of it. The fact that, yeah, you know, it's death, but yeah, you know, death is, <laughs> we can overcome death. You know, we've seen Superman do it. We've seen plenty of characters do it. And I think when you talk about the longevity of superheroes, I think the idea that, you know, you can, you can predict that they're going to be done tomorrow. But I mean, with Disney plus and with the fact that, you know, Marvel's got plans beyond, you know, now that they've ended up things with Endgame, there's no, I mean, they don't, I don't see any potential in them stopping. Right. And, you know? and I mean, going, go, steering t- towards comics for a second too. I mean, what do we think Marvel and DC are going to do if they stop doing superheroes? Right. I mean, I, I, I mean, D- DC at one point had Vertigo at least, but like, even that is kind of not a thing. I mean, like. Like, right. the, neither company has really made strides at really doing anything else. No, I mean, well, that was the thing. I remember, I think it was Clifton. I think you were the one that put it in our, like, a group text or whatever. The idea, that article that AT&T was kind of, like, weighing their odds of what was really, was it worth it to keep that division of Warner Brothers going? But it was not, I mean, basically, the, the thrust of the article is, is, like, it doesn't, like, the profit that they, they turn back for the company isn't really their most productive of all the stuff that they acquired when AT&T acquired Warner Brothers. So, you know, it's one of those things where I agree with you. What, what would they possibly do? I'd have no idea what they would do instead of what they've done for, you know, 82 years at this point. Yeah. I think, you know. I mean, I think even the comic books could be even more popular uh, mm-hmm. in, in some way, because the thing that gets me is like, occasionally you see 
a movie or a TV show that tries to do a thing that has some kind of goal that it sets as far as a concept goes, right? Where we're going to do like a workplace comedy, but we want it to be with superheroes, right? Right. And inevitably, you can't always do that with a character that's known. So you create new characters and you kind of make them into these archetype things and everything. And like we said earlier, like I think that stuff sometimes can work, but a lot of times that can feel really cheap, you know? And I'm really shocked that Marvel and DC doesn't do more with the flexibility of the tone in their own pieces, right? Like they could do romantic comedy comics more so, right? And do it with Spider-Man, <laughs> you know? Right. And people would maybe care about it, you know what I mean? And, and like in their attempts at doing this, so makes it feel like it's it's just like this thing off in the left field, like when they did like the Mary Jane titles, like the young adult books and stuff like that and everything. I'm like, it, it feels a little like they're not truly committing to it, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Like, again, like, like bringing back, bringing back another quote from Brubaker, who, who, um, he was talking about how he had wanted to do like, like, uh, a cop thing in Gotham for a long time. And, and Rucka did too, like, you know, independently of themselves, they both like, like this idea very much. And, and powers hit and was doing really, really well. And they used that as a way to be like, see, like powers is doing really well. This thing about cops and we could do that with Batman. Right. right. And people would care. And then he was like, eh, powers outsold Gotham central, but <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, but, but that's sort of like my point. Like, I feel like the, the, the justice league international stuff that D Mateus did and everything. That's kind of like, they're always saying like, we wrote that as kind of a workplace comedy and everything like that's still talked about. Sure. Absolutely. As it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that there's flexibility to be expressed with some of the tone over here. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's something we've talked about before and we haven't talked about it in an episode, but we've talked about it personally is the idea that, you know, for a while there was this push of everything had to be, you know, Batman 89, you know, in, in tone and look like if you look at like, say, for example, um, the John Wesley ship flash from the early 90s and how, you know, everything is shot at night. <laughs> There's not really any flash during like the flash doesn't run around in the day. And you're like, well, you know, the flash is in Batman. I mean, you know, they have they, they have a museum for him, for Christ's sake. You know, it's not like, <laughs> you know. He's not hanging out in the shadows. It doesn't have to be a darker looking show. But I mean, it's one of those things where it's not, it's definitely not the books, but it, you can see definitely the influence of, of Tim Burton's Batman, you know, sure. Bat, the Batman 89 stuff. And for a while, it just seemed like everything had to be, you know, cut from that cloth. Now you could argue that also it's, it's, you know, because of, you know, the grim and gritty take on stuff, quote unquote, from like say Watchmen on. But at the same time, I think know, it's technology also. A little bit. You think, you think so? I, I think it's also uh, a, their way of hiding a little bit, maybe like a lower TV budget or special effects that haven't come a long way in mm -hmm. TV that they right. that there are that there is now. Like, you right. know, darkness is a little bit more forgiving with bad effects. Sure. But I think yeah. I think even I think you even get a little of that when you start, like when you come back with Batman Begins and stuff or, or with Dark Knight and then you have all the, the, the like CW stuff and you have you know, I mean, as much as I enjoyed Arrow and enjoyed um, uh, Stephen Amell as, as 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 Oliver Queen, it's one of those things where, you know, it's definitely a show that that doesn't really get to get 
I always felt like there was a lot of stuff that was just cribbed from Batman. Like they wanted to make a Batman show, but they couldn't. So they took the stuff that worked with Arrow and then they took the stuff that they liked in Batman and sort of crammed the two together. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. You know, because it's one of those things where, you know, Oliver Queen is 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 pretty tortured <laughs> in in most of Arrow. Like I would say for like 98% of it, he's a pretty tortured character. I think Oliver Queen is has so much untapped potential as 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 a property i really Mm. really do and and i agree with you i think the real shame is that that i mean he fights race in that show for stuff that's 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 you know all but literally pulled from the panels of of batman and and i think that that's one of the things that makes Batwoman so refreshing to me that it's nice to have to, to see them like flex those muscles and have it be with a Batman character mm-hmm. instead of having it be like like well it's kind of the only way we're going to get this made is if this thing kind of smells like Batman a little bit and, and yeah. so I think that that's kind of cool but I mean I do think that they've they've gotten away from that a little bit like you know Flash is not very much a Batman show I would say well no no not at all not at all I, I think they've done I think they learned their lesson from I think the the that Arrow was their first pancake, and the first one's always kind of messed up. Like it doesn't quite, you know, when you're pouring the batter onto the on the griddle, it's not always it's not right quite right the first one you make, but the rest of them after that are pretty good. And I think right. that was the one where they cut their teeth and they learned what worked and what didn't work. And when when they finally like said, ah, we're not doing the you know Smallville no tights no 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 capes no tights you know no tights no flights rule, right. and just embraced the idea of like what's well, just superhero shows. And yeah. it shows the fact that, you know, just having Crisis on Infinite Earths and then, you know, as, as Arrow is now gone, they have Stargirl and a Superman show waiting in the wings to be the next two shows that are on those network on that network. So I just can't get over your pancake metaphor, which I think is actually very beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> like, Thanks. Like, yeah, I mean, the first one is always a little messed up. You're right. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> they just, I mean, that you can, but it sh- I mean, it shows, especially even from like the, if you look at first season of Arrow to second season of Arrow, and I think it might be second seasons where they introduced Barry Allen as a backdoor, you know, they introduced him as a character and then backdoor pilot for The Flash. You know, it's one of those things where it's, it's very apparent that, you know, first season, they're, they're treading that line of like, well, yeah, there might be people with powers. We don't really know or whether we want to do that. You know, do we want to keep it super grounded like Batman begins? Or, or do we want to keep it, you know, do we want to lean? And finally, like I said, when they full bore lean into let's just do superheroes, it definitely changes tone and definitely changes the way the stories are told. So, right. Yeah, but I think people miss, I think people miss that idea that when new shows come out, you got to let it find its footing just sure. to, to develop and stuff. Cause I mean, at, at, I put that with, with Seinfeld. A lot of people don't care for the first season, but as it grew mm-hmm. and it got, it got its footing. Yeah. became the great show that it was seinfeld took three seasons to to get its footing yeah yeah, yeah. i mean now yeah. everything's got to be a hit right out the gate yes well i just i just my my only my only counter to that tommy is the idea that uh, you you at that point you don't have you know what's it we're talking you know you don't have all the stuff to draw from that would work for a show like that i mean seinfeld was like there's not like you know the seinfeld chronicles didn't exist from 1950 till now yeah i mean like you know, there's a writer's room full of people that are developing Arrow and they still decided, let's make it more like Batman. Let's not make him a free willy millionaire that basically fights for the little guy because that's what Green Arrow is. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. it's, it's, he's, he's very much, a, you know, if, even if you go back to like the source material, you can go with the Neil Adams stuff where he's the counterpoint to how sort of conservative look, how uh, Ollie was the, the liberal. They don't even play with that. 
I don't think they even mentioned Chili once. The fact that no. Oliver makes Chili, like that's in the comics, I think it's never mentioned. No, I think that's why I was hoping that Star Girl makes that mark because I, I know what people think Star Girl might be is the through that point of view the teenage uh, superhero in a sense. But to right. me, I think it's a, a hopefully it'll be a gaze into um, the society, Justice Society, mm-hmm. and which is it's different than the Avengers. It's different than the Justice League, you know, and and what sure. they incorporate and what they do. But no, I, I get what you're saying because a lot of people felt that Green Arrow should be Batman-ish, but Green Arrow definitely isn't. No. And if you're and if you're a fan, I mean, uh, of what the source material what would have been, it could have been something so much greater, you know? Yeah, this is a this is a perfect segue for for us to wrap up on. So what's what's a character or a property that you think is that you prefer the movie or the TV or the or the cartoon, like what's the, what's the thing, what's the comic book property that you prefer in other media over the comic book? I mean, for me, it was one of those things where I was, like I said before, we were talking a little bit about it. And I said, I, I, for me, I, I read some of those Joe Kelly comics with Deadpool and I like Deadpool, but I don't like Deadpool anywhere near as much as I like Deadpool in the movies. Like I think that, that uh, I think a lot of it's got to do with, with Ryan Reynolds performance. I think like Deadpool, the first one, the second one I like, but the first one, if it's on, I'm going to probably stick with it for a couple scenes at least because the, I think it's, I think they got that movie right the first time. Like I think that one they nailed the second one. I like it, but I liked it. I didn't like it when I first started the theater. I like it more now, but I think that first one is just a phenomenal portrayal of a character that I really didn't think I wanted in anything else. But I, I like that character in the movie, the first one more than I've weighed any more than possible than I do in the comics. Now, if I go next. Go for it. Blade. I could not <laughs> give a damn about that character prior to um Wesley Snipes' performance. Um, I thought it was tired. I just saw him as a vampire hunter. I didn't see the nuance of him in the books. Um, that first movie made me actually like, huh, this character has potential. It could be very cool. I definitely yes. prefer the first. I'm not talking about the other two much. Are you excited for the Mahershala Ali? I am not. Really? <laughs> if if he I I thought he's always the brooding contemplating character. I've never seen that man as not to say he's a great let me preface it. He's a great actor. Yeah, he's a uh, phenomenal I, actor, I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I have yet to see him do an action sequence that I would enjoy mm. or makes me want mm. to go see him. Now mind you, I would have said he the same. He voices the Prowler in Spider Verse. Yeah, no, I, I I recall, but again, that's, that's animated. I mean, I mean, right. to put it this way, I would have said the same thing about Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man. So yeah. I've yet to see what they're going to produce with him as Blade. I'm over this stuff, though. These actors, these actors always take Muay Thai and lose weight and pack yeah, on yeah. muscle and everything. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean. Marvel's earned my trust at this point. <laughs> Tommy, what if he was playing Jefferson Twilight? <laughs> That's I'm <funny>. in. <laughs> yeah, I'm t- I would so watch that in a moment. Yeah. In a moment, in a moment yeah. I'd rather see him as Mr. Terrific, but that's just me. That would be cool too. Yeah, I, I would. would love to see that. That'd be great. Yeah. Or even John Stewart. He would be a good John Stewart too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clifton, you got one? Uh, I mean, I can think of tons of individual characters that I think have been portrayed better in movies or at least you know like uh but as far as movie properties i'm like i I enjoyed the big hero six movie oh yeah uh, Mm. several years back quite a bit and the comic is not that good so like they took a broad idea from the 
Marvel comic book that most people didn't even know was a Marvel comic book and uh and made it a very enjoyable movie i thought they like made an interesting world interesting characters and some of the people who did write the comic for marvel were involved in the movie but it's a very different thing i have a very boring one because uh i'm just gonna <laughs> say the the timbers bruce tim stuff mm. just because you know i'm a dc guy because of bruce tim's animated work and other people right. i should say not just him but you know but it's he's he's the through through line producer for all of these and everything and and um i'm i'm generally into comic book superheroes because of those shows so i will say those so all right so that's it for the sustainability of superheroes we'll see i'm betting on i'm betting on that uh they'll be around for a while though so all right so once again i want to remind you guys to check out our website at letmenowhowitis.com where you can find all of our past episodes as well as episodes notes that contain links and examples of some of the things that we talked about in each episode. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash letmenowhowitis and follow us on Twitter at our show's initials, L-M-K-H-I-I. And if you'd like to suggest a topic you'd like us to discuss, please leave us a comment. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you on the next one. 